The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Welcome to the Friday edition of Passion, uh, where anything goes. Uh, Tonight we'll talk about marriages that have improved during the pandemic. We'll talk about loveless marriages and rough sex excuse used in murder trials. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion at 514-800. Time to answer some of your questions. Some I get by email to laurie at drlaurie.com. Some by text, like this one from last night, which uh, had me uh, give me some time, gave me some time to locate uh, an esteemed colleague who's a, a, a pro in this area, an expert in this area. Can you please talk a little bit about shock therapy for the penis for men who have erectile dysfunction? So put in a call to Dr. Judson Brandeis at, uh, at from California, doing research on exactly this, on something called Gaines Wave. So he's here to tell us about it. Welcome back to the program, Dr. Brandeis. Oh, Dr. Laurie, it's so great to be here. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for inviting me. My pleasure. Now tell us a little bit, how do we help this person? Maybe you can describe what shock therapy is. I'm sure a lot of people have not heard about it. Sure. Go ahead. So it's, it's more shock wave therapy. So it's the use of either a shock wave or a pressure wave. So you can think of it like like an ultrasound wave, but it's much more intense. Okay. Um, and so when the body experiences a shock wave, it experiences it as an injury. Even though it's not causing any injury, the way that the body's cell membranes interpret it, it interprets it as an injury. And so when your body experiences an injury, it generates an injury response. And an injury response in the body is a healing response. And part of that healing response is to grow blood vessels. And so when you grow blood vessels in the penis, you increase the blood pressure that you're able to generate in the penis, and thus you are able to generate an erection. Wow. So that's the basic science behind it. Mm -hmm. When you actually look at the cells, you upregulate stem cells. You upregulate what's called vascular endothelial growth factor. So it's a growth factor that helps grow blood vessels. Wow. And so in actuality, what it, it consists of is a 20 to 25-minute procedure that's all external where you use – it's almost like an ultrasound probe, like, you know, when you go to the obstetrician. Right. Not guys don't go to the obstetrician, right. obviously, but they go with their <laughs> spouses. Um, but instead of kind of gentle sound waves, it sounds – one of my patients described it as uh, like an elf with a jackhammer. It's not painful, and though. You, you, not no, pain. it's okay. not painful. It's it's a little uncomfortable, and so most of my patients just use um, a, a numbing cream. Okay. Uh, but you certainly don't have to get any serious anesthesia for it. Okay. And it takes about 20 minutes, and we use the shock waves on both sides of the penile shaft and also along the perineum because that's where the internal pudendal artery, mm-hmm. which is the artery that leads to the penile artery, lives. And so right. you want to stimulate growth of blood vessels as far back as you possibly can. So this is relatively new, right? Yeah, 2010 is the first time someone actually was brave enough to put one of these on their penis. Wow. So we've had 10 yeah. years. Yeah, we've had 10 years of, of research now on this procedure. 10 years of research. So actually, 
I'm uh, I'm doing what's called the SWEET study, the Shockwave Erectile Enhancement Trial, mm-hmm. and I have uh, 35 offices around North America, including one in Calgary. Okay. Um, Dr. Dan Bolta in Calgary, um, who contribute patients to the study, and what we do is we check. There's a validated questionnaire called the SHIM score that has uh, questions about erectile function. So we do it before treatment, and then we do it after treatment, and then we do it every three months for perpetuity. Hmm. And so, as you as you so accurately said, this has only been around for 10 years, and so there's a lot of stuff since it's a relatively new treatment that we don't know. So we don't know exactly which machines are best, which protocols are best. Hmm. Um, Obviously, you treat a, a 52-year-old male with mild erectile dysfunction different than you treat a 72-year-old male with diabetes and heart right, disease. Right. And so we have to be able to individualize the treatment to the patient. But what a man can expect on average is to move up one class. So what does that mean? So say you're that 52-year-old guy who is beginning to need Viagra and it's just killing your confidence and you want that spontaneity back and you don't want to feel bad about yourself that, you know, in the middle of intercourse, you lose an erection. So shockwave therapy will be enough to get you from needing uh, a PD-5 inhibitor like Viagra to not needing it. Right. Uh, Say you're a 65-year-old guy with some mild medical problems and Viagra is not working for you anymore. So it, it should be enough to get you to the point where Viagra works for you, but probably won't get you to the point where you're off Viagra. Right. And say you're a 75-year-old guy uh, and things just aren't working anymore, it'll be enough to get you to the point where things work okay. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's still quite a bit. Obviously, it's not readily available. The research is still out. Not every, not every province, every city has practitioners, right, who have these machines. Uh, you know, I think in the United States, there's probably four or 500. Okay. A lot of them are concentrated in um, Florida. That's in, <laughs> yeah, oh, Florida, where the, where the, old, <laughs> the population. Yeah, yeah like, I get it. <laughs> exactly. Every Next to every Starbucks is a, uh, is a shockwave place. And <laughs> <laughs> there are other states that they're uh, much less common. So, so I, yeah. I'm fairly sure that there are, I know for sure that uh, Dan Botha in, in yeah, that's far for us. Um, uh, it's just as far to yeah. go to Calgary as it is to go to you in California, unfortunately. Yeah. But I, I, you know, we, we, I could check in on uh, how many practitioners there are, but I'm pretty sure that, that there are. Yeah, let us know if there's any in Quebec. Uh, I don't think so. I think the last time we spoke, I, I don't think there have been any, but maybe uh, anybody who's interested could at least look for that. So it's called Gaines Wave, right? G-A-I-N. Yeah, Gaines Wave. Or okay. shockwave therapy. Okay. Um, and you know the beautiful thing about it is there are really no side effects. So if, if in the end it doesn't really work for you because it doesn't work for for everyone. Okay. Um, you know you just invested some time and some money, but I've never knock on wood had any patients with any ad- negative or adverse side effects from it. Right. Right. Well, we will keep our eyes and ears open to. Uh, get more news as it develops because 10 years is still relatively young in the field. Uh, so clearly Absolutely. we need uh, we need more work. Well, uh, thank you so much for taking the time and explaining all of this to us. Really appreciate it, oh, Dr. Brandeis. All right, take care. Anytime. All right, bye-bye. bye-bye. That's uh, Dr. Judson Brandeis who specializes in male uh, sexuality and in the shockwave uh, treatments for men because we did have a question 
about that. So next question, I recently found a genital wart and found out it's not curable like herpes and can be spread skin to skin when not active and condoms don't protect against it. Okay, so the information here is wrong. So uh, it's it's the herpes that's not curable. So once you get herpes, you're stuck with it. Like you may not have... Um, outbreaks and and sores and such but the herpes virus lives on inside of you so that is not curable treatable not curable genital warts are curable can be um removed uh, but yes this is why condoms don't protect you from all uh, skin-to-skin um, infection. So genital warts are usually due to HPV, the human papillomavirus, which can be spread asymptomatically. Most of it, uh, people who get it, will it disappears on their own. And unless you see a wart, and then that has to be removed by uh, a physician. So um, there you go. Oh, we there. Uh, I just found out something. We offer shockwave therapy at our sexual wellness clinic in Cote St. Luke. I've been doing so for four years. Who, where, what? Give us uh, the information, please. Give me the number, the name of the clinic, and uh, we'll uh, we'll send people to you. That's uh, that's great. All right. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Anything goes on this Friday, uh, Freaky Friday the 13th. So just to um, catch you up here on... uh, Someone asked about uh, shock therapy. It's shockwave therapy for the penis for erectile dysfunction. So there is somebody in Montreal that does it. It's at the Elna Sexual Wellness uh, Clinic on DeCarry Boulevard. Dr. Andrew Steinberg is a urologist there. Here's the phone number, 514-473-5224. And actually... Uh, tomorrow at 4 p.m., you can hear Dr. Steinberg on the air. Not with me, but you can hear him talk about all of this. Uh, so it's very timely uh, that we have this uh, right now. So tomorrow, 4 p.m. on CJD. Right now, we have Jean-Pierre on the line. Hi, Jean-Pierre. Yes. Hi. How are you, JP? Uh, you're Dr. Lori, not Laura. I'm Dr. Lori, yes. Very far from Dr. Uh, Laura. Uh, you just gave me a good title for an autobiography. Oh, yeah? The, what? The, the title would be Genital Warts and All. <laughs> great. I'm sure it'll be a great seller. <laughs> what can uh, I do for you, Jean-Pierre? Yesterday I, I asked a question because I've always been fascinated by the virginity thing, the, yeah, the hymen, yeah. which doesn't exist in, exists only in humans, if I'm not mistaken, the I, hymen. I believe so, yeah. Although I, I don't know much about animal anatomy, but whatever. At least okay. we know it exists in but, females. Yeah, I've always wondered when the man penetrates the the, uh, the hymen, breaks it, and then penetrates the vagina. The vagina mm-hmm. is it supposed to be a full uh, sexual relation? I mean, till the end, till the guy ejaculates in the, the vagina. It has nothing or... to do. It has nothing to do with the ejaculation of the male. It has to do with the depth of penetration. Yeah. So but, uh, it, it's got to go in more than two inches. But okay. And, yeah, then, but, uh, and then the hymen gets stretched. But the hymen, first of all, it doesn't break, it gets stretched. But uh, some women already have a stretched out 
um, hymen from activities that they've done, like exercise yeah, or horseback riding or whatever. So there's no, it's not like a, a guarantee that uh, but, the hymen is intact. I mean, uh, once I, a long time ago, I deflowered a young woman. Mm -hmm. She was my girlfriend. And uh, I started penetrating her. I had a condom. And then she started crying, yelling, because it hurt. And I said, I'm a gentleman. I stopped. And uh, I, we didn't do, we did not proceed further. But I was wondering, is it normal? Is there kind of go? I'm sure that many every culture has its own yeah. relationship with uh, virginity. But yes, is, is I mean, if the guy is the guy supposed to ejaculate? Uh, no, it has nothing to do with ejaculation. It, the virginity no. is no, has nothing to do with that. Uh, it's about yeah, the, but pe the penetration. In most cultures, it's the start of uh, of being a sexual person for a young woman. Let's say what. Uh, the penetration and uh, deflowering. The start. She's. It's not absolutely. Ab well, if she's married. Well, if if that's your culture and you wait till you're married and what have you, but you're you be you're sexual way before that. You have sexual feelings before that. What you choose to do about it, that's uh, uh, your example, your own the, thing. The hymen does it heal by itself? Or? No, there's because no healing. Never, there's no there's no healing of the hymen. It gets stretched. That's it. That's all. There's some people what who. Do, what does it bleed? What does it bleed? It bleeds. Uh, there's there's l little bits of blood, but not uh, not much else. That's it from the stretching of the hymen. So, but it's uh, yeah, that's that's exactly what happens. In some cultures, some women who've had sexual intercourse w and want to prove that they're still a virgin, they uh, they get uh, they get hymen restoration. So there is a big industry for oh, that. Darling, JP, uh, in, thank in you. Thank okay. you very much. You. All right, take care now. Uh, a couple more questions. Dr. L, I've had genital warts off and on for years, gotten them removed painfully, but they keep coming back. Maybe some of the 70 or so version, versions of HPV are permanent. I don't know if you've done a show on this before. Could you do one again? Love your show. Well, listen, I'm not an expert in uh, sexually transmitted infections by any means, but maybe uh, it's time. Maybe we'll have somebody here at some point who can talk to us about that. But as far as I know, HP, it's not that HPV is permanent. It's that it can lay dormant. There are strains that lay dormant. So this is why women need pap tests regularly because you can, um, it's through a pap test that you detect abnormal cells in the, um, in, in the cervix these strains can cause cervical cancer, but it can awaken 20 years post-sexual exposure to it. So uh, that's that's the only thing. Certain strains can lay um, lay dormant, but they don't necessarily uh, sh uh, show up with um, genital warts. So I heard from online that HPV takes two years to naturally disappear. Not always will go away in individuals over 30. 30. Is this true? That I am not uh, sure about that. I've never heard that, that it won't go away in individuals over 30. But like I said, it can lay dormant for 20, 25 years and then creep out, creep up and show up in abnormal cells in the cervix so that's uh that's important uh there you go let's see uh oh yes yeah, somebody wants to know uh is shockwave therapy the same thing used in electroshock therapy not at all as you heard dr brandeis explain uh it's more like an ultrasound but stronger so it, it's it's not 
electroshock in in the same way someone else asked about using a tens machine for electronic shocks i don't think that that's the same thing at all either and i don't i've never seen any research using tens machines um, for that but you know what if you have these questions tomorrow 4 p.m listen in dr steinberg can answer those questions he specializes in male sexual health uh, and does the shock uh, wave therapy so a uh, perfect opportunity to get your uh, your questions answered. The Passion Poet sent in a poem. It says, dedicated to the couples with young kids. Your child run, runs into your room because of a nightmare they had, only to discover mom is under dad. You rush to cover up. You ask, what's the matter, hon? But your child is speechless after seeing daddy's bum. Your child asks what you're doing. You quickly come up with a lie, something so ridiculous even a seven-year-old wouldn't buy. The nightmare is quickly forgotten a bad image in the child's head you are naked under the covers but you have to take her back to bed if it could have been worse mom sitting on dad's face or having sex doggy style banging at a ferocious pace this has happened to many at one time or other you don't want your kids to witness you making a baby brother during sex hearing goes down and your noise level may rise a lock on the bedroom door will stop that little surprise very, uh, very cute. Very, very sweet. Thank you for that and putting a smile um, on our faces. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, I've got a bunch of things here and, and some more uh, questions which I will get to in the second half. But here was a survey. I chatted about this with John Paul uh, last night. A survey of 2,000 sexually active adults found that despite having sex on average, an average of seven times a month, one-third don't like to openly discuss the subject with their partners. Couples wait an average of five months from the start of a relationship before, before actively discussing sex. That doesn't mean they're not doing it, by the way. Such as desires or discomforts. And a fifth say they won't bring up the topic of sex at all. And with half of those polled considering sex to be a taboo subject, half... It leaves adults feeling awkward, embarrassed, and avoiding the topic altogether. If they do feel able to discuss the topic of sex more openly, 34% will talk to their friends, not their partner. Almost a quarter don't feel comfortable talking openly about sex because they don't want to upset anyone's feelings, while 15% didn't know how to approach the issue. But it's not just sex. Uh, as masturbation, 27%, using sex toys, 17%, or discussing pornography, 14%, were also seen as taboo subjects, which, what does this tell us? It tells us that we've got a ways to go to make the subject of sex and sexuality and sexual wellness and sexual health less taboo. We need to have more of these conversations with each other and get, um, more comfortable with this <laughs> text writes and my wife just flashed me after supper and I told her that she's being a tease because the kids are sitting in the other room <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> I may be doing that because they are there uh, so I've got lots of things I want to talk to you about tonight although I'm very happy to answer your questions as well like I said you anything happens on Fridays I can tell you about new research and we could talk about different subjects, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, uh, and I can answer your questions as well. 
800 if you want to text in either a comment or a question. I'm very happy to answer them for you. But coming up, I, I do want to talk about the marriages that have improved during the pandemic improved uh, because there's lots of research that's saying the divorce rate's going up but you know what other research shows that some relationships have improved we'll look at those we'll take a look at the marriages that are more likely or have been more likely to improve during a pandemic than those that are more likely to uh divorce passion with dr Lori batito on CJAD 800. All right, time for your stupid sex story of the night. Here's the headline. Mumbai man hides his baldness to get married. Wife registers police case. Telling you, sometimes it's just like crazy stuff. A woman has filed a case against her husband for hiding his baldness. A 27-year-old chartered accountant has lodged this complaint against her 29-year-old husband, accusing him of cheating her by hiding the fact that he is bald. She alleged that her husband's family did not reveal that he is bald. Remember, these are arranged marriages uh, there. In the complaint, the woman said that her husband had been wearing a wig, and if she knew he was bald, she would not have married him. That's some bald shaming stuff happening right there. The woman claimed that she got to know about her husband's baldness status a day after the marriage, and when she reached out to her in-laws, they said, it's a minor issue. I believe it's a minor issue, clearly not to this person. She also alleged that her in-laws were harassing her for more dowry and that her husband performed unnatural sexual acts on her. That, I would think, is more of a problem than the baldness. But nonetheless, there's your story. All right, let me answer this question. I'm confused and would like your advice and facts concerning a discovery I made of my heterosexual 24-year-old son. He is performing nude and sexually on chatterbait. Is he really gay if he is performing for mostly men? He says he's raising money and that it is just a cam. What say you? So just a chatterbait is a, a site basically where you have people behind a camera. So they're, they are doing their solo usually behind the camera performing or masturbating or doing whatever. And they have onlookers. Uh, through uh, the web, through this site, as far as I know, like I've not been on the site, but this is what I've been told. And, um, and so people uh, tip the, you can send money or, or what have you, uh, you, you're watching and then you can tip the, the performer. I don't think this has anything to do with, uh, um, with orientation. Your son figured out a way to make money. Uh, and I, I, I'm, reserving judgment on here i mean i'm sure you're probably not too happy about this but again that's just a judgment call here um so he's performing he's doing it for the money yes it's mostly going to be gay men who will be looking at this and that's what he's telling you so i don't think there's a reason to doubt if he's told you he's heterosexual and he's expressed his heterosexuality and and you've known him as hetero all these years that uh you shouldn't doubt him if he's telling you that that's 
what um, he's doing. So I don't think the two are necessarily related. And if, in fact, if you look at the porn industry, what's very interesting that I found out is that some straight men perform in gay porn videos. Uh, there's, I guess, more money in that. I, I'm not um, quite sure, but um, apparently uh, they they take medication or they inject themselves to be able to make sure that they have an erection so they can perform because usually if they're heterosexual, they're not necessarily attracted to the other performers that they are performing sex acts with, but they do it for the money. So uh, there you go. All right, let's talk about marriages that have improved during lockdown. This is a study out of the UK. One in five of marriages in the UK have benefited from the national lockdown, the research has revealed. That's not a huge heck of a lot, but at least we're seeing some improvement somewhere. Um, A study carried out by the Marriage Foundation found 20% of married parents felt their relationship had strengthened while only 9% said theirs had worsened during the pandemic. During their research, they analyzed data from over 2,500 parents who had completed a questionnaire by the University of Essex uh, for this longitudinal study called the, uh, the Coronavirus Study. They found twice as many marriages had improved during the coronavirus crisis while the proportion of parents considering divorce fell by two-thirds from those seen before the pandemic in 2017 to 2019, which is interesting. So the research director said, our study debunks claims that lockdown is leading to a divorce boom. The data strongly suggests the opposite. Spending more time with your husband or wife has been beneficial for large numbers of the UK 12.8 million married Couples. Analysis of a national survey found half of married adults said their appreciation of their partner had increased and commitment had deepened. I wonder how uh, you guys feel about this. Uh, Moreover, data from four of the five states that published the actual number of divorces in real time have shown fewer divorces during lockdown. That doesn't necessarily explain a lot. Just it might mean that you can't go to court or it's more complicated now. I don't know. Researchers also found that 0.7% of married fathers and 2.2% of mothers were considering divorce, reflecting a decrease by two-thirds compared to pre-COVID times. However, research also showed lockdown has caused friction in some marriages with more married fathers saying they were fairly or extremely unhappy. Meanwhile, 22% of cohabiting mothers said their relationship had worsened during the pandemic compared to 7% of married moms. Uh, Although stress levels in parental relationships, they say, have risen with so much uncertainty about jobs, money, and being unable to go out or socialize, lockdown appears to have affirmed the commitment of married parents. In short, many seem to have found spending more time with their partner has been a positive experience. On the whole, marriages have blossomed through lockdown, no doubt because of the extra TLC Spouses have been able to invest in their relationships freed from the terrible pressures generated by having to spend a lot of the working week at or traveling to and from work. Unexpectedly, though, this new finding has not impacted unmarried couples 
in the same way. They say when these relationships have been stress tested by the COVID lockdown, the mothers especially have suffered. They say, no doubt, the absence of formal commitment has generated insecurity and ambiguity at a time when the need for complete unambiguous unity was essential. Somebody says, I disagree wholeheartedly that the sun is straight. Chatterbait involves verbal interaction, but he can also be acting. Uh, so I wouldn't jump to the, the conclusion that this, the, the, that person, I was going to say child, but the young adult is, uh, is gay. Depends on he, how he identifies, clearly. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. A couple of text messages to share with you tonight. And thank you for spending your Friday the 13th uh, with me, by the way. If your marriage survived uh, through this pandemic, it will survive anything. That's true for a lot of people. Uh, nice to hear that some couples, anybody really, are deriving meaningful benefits from this otherwise awful lockdown stuff. And another texter, Dr. L, are you willing to investigate this chatterbait site and report back on it for your listeners? Uh, uh, yes, uh, I put that on my list of topics to do. I think we should do a show on webcamming and uh, the difference between that and watching porn and whether that constitutes as cheating I was just having a conversation with someone about this today who didn't think it was any different than watching porn, but it is because you're actually interacting with a real person. So that's something that we can absolutely talk about. And for the poem, I love the line, the child is speechless after seeing daddy's bum. Good one. (laughs) Yes, good one. Okay, let's talk about this. Marriages. Now, I don't know if you know this, but a new survey suggests that most marriages, uh, this is what the article says, resemble prisons more than anything else. It's going far, but anyway. A group of 2,000 married adults living in the UK took part in this project. Close to half say the only reason they're still married, close to half, 47%, that's huge, are, they are still married for the sake of their children. Many report their marriage is comfortable, so 77%, while another 15% believe their marriage is repetitive. Some go so far as to say their marriage is the number one cause of stress in their lives, about 12%. Um, Financially speaking, one-sixth of the people in the survey aren't sure they could afford being single again. The study was commissioned by a company called Real Fix. They also asked participants about the top reasons why, in their opinion, their marriage is struggling. The number one answer to that question came in, came in as uh, for 51%, there is no romance followed by 45% said there uh, there's a lack of sex uh, other reasons no more excitement too much arguing and not spending enough time together other popular responses included uh, too many money worries different hobbies and interests not enough communication laziness and selfishness 
14% of respondents wish they could turn back time and stop themselves from saying I do in the first place. That's 14% regretted it. Men are twice as likely to feel this way and males are also more likely to describe their marriage as loveless. 20% of all respondents think they got married too young uh, and it seems many stay with their partner simply out of fear of loneliness. One in four say they are afraid to be alone. Another 25% worry what others will think if they ever get divorced. Sex, also a big component of a healthy romantic relationship, we know, but over 20% admit they never get intimate with their partner anymore. 20%. Perhaps it shouldn't be all that surprising then that one in six also admit to cheating on their spouse at some point. Men are more likely to cheat. 14% of male respondents said they cheated versus 5% of the females. In all, 77% say the true cornerstone of a happy marriage is mutual trust. Others say a great sex life is key, that's 40%, as well as mutual interests and selfless gestures. That is not a good state of marriage in the UK. Now, the last story I want to share with you is rather disturbing, rather disturbing. Here's the headline. Rough sex excuse in women's deaths is very, is a variation of crime of passion. And they've done a study on this. And here's the, uh, the article men who kill women are increasingly using the sex game gone wrong excuse as a contemporary variation on the traditional crime of passion defense. This is according to research done from uh, uh, Birmingham City University uh, by a criminologist, and they found that the normalization of bondage, domination, and sadomasochism, so BDSM, across various media had generated a culturally approved script for men who kill women. She said that the sex game gone wrong defense was a new variation on the crime of passion defense. Men accused of killing women have previously used the defense that they committed a crime of passion, used to illustrate the legal defense of provocation to argue they should be tried for the lesser crime of manslaughter. At least 18 women have died in an alleged sex game gone wrong in the last five years with a tenfold increase in rough sex claims in court between 1996 and 2016. Get data gathered by the campaign group, We Can't Consent to This, and shared with uh, the researcher, found at least 60 cases of UK females killed by males since 1972 until the present day, where the man claimed the death happened during a sex game gone wrong. Included that this nor- the normalization of BDSM has enabled abusers to justify and excuse fatal violence against women using formal sex equality and women's liberation against them. The domestic abuse bill, which is, it is hoped will become law before the end of the year, includes an amendment invalidating the courtroom defense of consent where a victim suffers serious harm or is killed. Concerns have been expressed about non-fatal strangulation as well as fatal. So the group, we can't consent to this, has called for a new offense of non-fatal strangulation to be introduced 
arguing that current legislation is not well suited to prosecuting this offense. Alleged perpetrators are currently charged with the lesser offense of common assault or not prosecuted at all. So this survey, in, in this survey, they, they um, checked in with 82 women about their experience of violence during sex. And of those interviewed, 45 had experienced non-consensual strangulation, choking, or pressure on the neck from a partner or ex-partner. A total of 32 had experienced it from someone they were dating. So please beware that's not bdsm bdsm is done in a safe sane way and certainly consensual that clearly not a lot of uh consent here exactly i think that's about it for tonight thank you so much by the way if you have any questions that you want to send my way that you want answered at the beginning of every show you can send them to me to lori at drlori.com. I'm always happy uh, to answer your questions um, during the show. If you have comments, whatever it is, would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for spending uh, your show, uh, your time with me listening to the show. I want to thank Nicole Proano, our technical producer, Linda Delisi, our passion researcher. If you want to connect with me, it's the easiest. It's just to go to my website, uh, www.drlaurie.com. That's D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E.com, where you will also find all the podcasts of all the shows uh, from the past here if you just go to the Passion Radio tab. If you have the iHeart app, you can go to the CJD page and listen to them there right on your phone. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening, a wonderful weekend. Stay safe and remember to live your life with passion.